Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Courtney and I are back today, and this time we're together. together. Oh, yes, I am in Texas visiting Courtney, and we are recording our first episode together in person, sharing this one mic, so hopefully it picks up okay. But today's episode, we're kind of going to be reflecting on our fears and unpacking our fears and where they stem from and things like that so pretty excited for this episode i'm not excited no i know it's excited for everyone it's an in-depth um it's so scary yeah it's getting vulnerable you know and really getting honest and even at times taking accountability for how we hold ourselves back that's probably the worst part yeah i feel like the vulnerability part we have no problem with it's the uh, accountability part that we all struggle with because in order to be accountable you have to look at yourself in the mirror and be like i am slacking in these ways Mm -hmm. and that's not always good yeah it can or easy i should say yeah not easy easy. not easy because i i feel like it can i don't know maybe you can relate to this as well but like when you there's a certain level When you have to take accountability, right, it's kind of like telling yourself that you fucked up and that maybe you're not perfect. Yeah, you you basically have to have enough personal intuitiveness to realize, oh yeah, and reflectiveness to be like, oh yeah, I kind of, not that you messed up and you don't need to be extremely hard on yourself. Just think, okay, this is where I made like a shift or like an error or I like struggled and I need to like maybe get more aligned with who I want to be and what I want to be doing. And that's not always easy because it takes a certain level of being real with yourself mm-hmm. that I think a lot of us struggle with because the ego doesn't like that. Our egoic state is just like, oh yeah, by the way, you're perfect the way that you are, but we're not. So and we, we think, I think society pushes on us that we should have all the answers. Oh yeah, which for sure. Which nobody is... has all the answers. Even the guy who own, owns Vanguard doesn't have all the answers. <laughs> well... I think one of the first fears that we should really like dive into is probably one that we were reflecting on the other day and it has to do with parenting and I feel like Courtney and I both have our own fears around parenting and whatnot but definitely our fears hold us back in big ways when it comes to parenthood in general and even maybe our views on parenthood. Yeah, I mean, mine just holds me back from starting, so there's that. Yeah, and who knows, maybe I subconsciously block my myself because I feel like there's a lot of different fears that come up when I think of becoming a parent. And of course, those of you listening, you know that I have been trying to become a parent for two and a half years now with the best luck ever. <laughs> Sarcasm right there. Sarcasm. Otherwise, you'd have like nine kids by now. Well, but mathematically, you'd have two. Yeah, but to say that, like, like I feel like I'm ready, but to say that there's no fears that go through my mind when it comes to the process of, one, like, giving birth, and two, being a parent, that would be a lie because I definitely have fears. And I think the first fear for me was the fact that I have this 
immense fear of physical pain Ooh. my pain to- and, like my pain tolerance i don't know i mean i have a pretty big like fear of pain too i just try to like hype myself up i guess like yeah. a little bit in my mind before something painful is gonna happen but like even the experience of having to go and try to get my iud taken out and swapped for another one like really scared me i was so anxious and i can't imagine like how much worse it would hurt to have a baby yeah no 100 percent. like when i had my hsg test done it kind of put me into very mild contractions and i was like oh so this is like the very mild contractions that i'm gonna feel when i give birth got it great versus like the whole thing and now like with hospitals um there's a ton of like research and i learned this in nursing school that the longer you're in labor the more high risk you are for like hemorrhaging after so they really don't like to let women have long natural labors because it can be dangerous so the science says so what they do is they give you exogenous or like external oxytocin which helps you to contract and so it basically speeds up your entire like labor and that's gonna hurt Mm -hmm. and i think the reality is is like women we go through some painful experiences in order to have our children in our lives and sadly you gotta go through that in order to get them i mean unless you do like adoption which i would love to adopt or totally ivf which i think that process in and of itself probably still hurts too ivf oh 100 percent that's a very painful process just to get pregnant and then and then, then you, you still have to give birth to the baby right but all to say this was basically <laughs> to summarize our side rant yeah literally to summarize this it's basically just saying like how i had to get over this fear was kind of tell myself women go through this all the time and most of the time there's a lot of women out there who will go through it more than once so in my mind i'm like if they can do that more than once our bodies were pretty much like made to be able to handle that kind of pain essentially like like you're saying like biologically you you feel like oh so many women do this and they can do it so well basically it just kind of come or just like like, do it naturally yeah they do it and then they do it again biologically built yeah to withstand i i could agree and then they say that like as soon as your baby is on your chest like the pain you forget the pain i feel like you probably do until you go home and then you're like left with the baby and then you're like where's my pads go oh i mean for sure the recovery process is still going to be painful but But at the end of the day it's like what you get from it is more more. it's just so much more it's worth um, the pain my sister did say like she gave a vaginal birth and then she did a c-section birth and she said the recovery from her vaginal birth was actually so much easier i've heard that too then again everybody's experience is going to be different and both are freaking i give props either freaking way yeah i think superpower i think anyone who births is probably some type of crazy superhuman alien (laughs) um and then i also think like if you add on to that like an actual like true mother who wants to really parent on top of giving superhuman birth to the baby is just like that's incredible and i don't think society highlights like how important that role is Mm. or appreciated as much like we have mother's day but it's like meh yeah like mothers wear a lot of hats for sure yeah i mean it's just another side rant but i just don't agree with the lack of support that's given like if you want to if you if you want people to have kids so desperately then why are there no why is there no like real support for families you know what i mean there's there's no protections yeah you know what i mean like if if we're gonna move is a side rant 
It is. Yeah, we're getting off topic, but basically we're just passionate about the topic, so it is what it is. But essentially, when it comes to becoming a mother, one of my biggest fears, of course, is giving birth. And I think that a lot of women can probably relate to that because I don't think there's anybody oh, out yeah. there who's just like, I'm so ready to just have this baby come out of me. Like, Except, you know what? Every time you talk to a woman who's eight and a half months pregnant, you know what they well, say. Well, they're like, yeah, get this baby out, out of me. Out of me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's like, you know, when you're planning to get pregnant or scary early pregnancy you're like yeah i'm so afraid of what's gonna happen to me and my body after this recurring yeah Yeah. it's scary and then so to kind of go off of that i feel like if we get even more into the fears surrounding motherhood it really goes back to like childhood trauma right because we were unpacking this the other day because i was looking at your needle chart and discussing like what i saw in there and the wounds connected to the mother that i saw in your chart in the areas that it really impacted you so i'll let you speak on that speak on your fear yeah i guess like i mean it's no surprise because we did a whole episode about the struggle of the relationship i had with my mom which is a previous episode for anyone who's new who's joining the channel you can find it i don't remember what we titled it but it was probably something along the lines of mother wound yeah like healing the mother wound so there's that whole story and so i feel like just hard for me to have even like the natural desire to want a kid because it's 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 scary like my fear is the responsibility versus my independence the financial responsibility it's a huge thing especially you know everyone with inflation jobs are not paying what they used to they're not keeping up with inflation the benefits are not what they used to be and then there's all these demands externally that kids have that you need to provide for and that's really difficult and then you add in the emotional aspect and I had so much trauma related to financial support and emotional support and then all these forms of abuse that I endured that were directly impacted by my mom that it's hard for me to not fear those same things like I don't want to be a parent who's overloaded who's financially basically what I would call strapped which is like living paycheck to paycheck and overwhelmed by sensory and noises and come home and then find myself like my parents were slipping and abusing my kids and not even realizing it in the moment when you're doing it because you're so overwhelmed Mm. and those are those are real fears and I think we were also talking about too how even growing up every family that you were surrounded by was just pretty much displaying to you the lack of family connection and support it was like a lot of broken families and a lot of stress and like you said the abuse and people around you not being able to afford the responsibility of the child and the the needs that the child needed to get met so now you have this fear that you're going to have that happen with your own child Mm -hmm. yeah i don't want to i don't want to bring someone into the world and then feel like i did it for my own reasons you know like i needed that love or i needed to complete this next phase of my life or i needed to fulfill that role that i have a version of a role in my head that i have of myself and then drop the ball on them yeah so really so it's kind of really hard for you to even like see yourself as a mother almost like it's like a role that you're kind of like i don't want any part of yeah right essentially and it's strange because like i have it's not the same and everyone who's a mom out there is going to fight 
lightning on this, but everyone who has animals that they love, like they're their children, are gonna understand me. It's funny though, because you see me with my animals. Mm -hmm. How attentive am I to my animals and providing for them, making sure they have everything that they need, making sure they have the most comfortable life, they're well taken care of, I don't hate my animals. I don't punish my animals. And I always tell you that you'd be a wonderful mother. Yeah. But I do understand where your fears come from. It's kind of like... It's hard, I think, when you have really deep rental wounds. Anyone, I think, who's familiar with the Chiron, which isn't mm-hmm. that like your deepest wound, is my mother's. And so it's really hard to see myself in a role that the person that I had in that role, because I think too, like we put our parents on a pillar and it's hard for me because I think I had her on a pillar and she could never meet that expectation. And so I just, I don't even understand how to fathom. If someone could give me the perfect outline and the perfect picture of what a functional mom should be that provides everything that their kid needs. And I'm still gonna be like, well, that's a one-off. That's not how everyone functions. Mm. It's almost like you could literally give me everything and I'd be like, I still don't believe it. It's like someone who refuses to acknowledge like that something doesn't actually exist and you bring them all the evidence and they're like, well, that's not true. And yeah, there was like an aspect I remember Mm. in your chart that we were going over and it was like, what was it? It was like setting expectations for family members and like knowing that they're not going to be able to meet them and like idolizing family and kind of like projecting perfectionism onto family. Yeah. I would say that there's there's a lot of fears i think they all ultimately they all come from childhood experiences mm-hmm. that lead to my own issues with being able to parent and i suggest to anyone else who can identify with this story to do what i'm doing which is i'm gonna go to therapy and talk to my therapist and just unpack you know is this truly a desire that i have to not be a parent like do i truly just want to be like the fun loving aunt who can go anywhere at the drop of a hat and do whatever i want or and not really answer to someone who's like needing all their basic needs met by me every day other than my husband and my animals or do i actually want children and what's holding me back is my trauma Mm-hmm. Yeah. I reckon, you know, if you're struggling in the way that I am, to do the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, the ego is a funny thing. The ego is a creature of comfort. And I also think it's really hard for us. And this can go, with, like, not even just with, like, parenting and family. But the surrounding that you're around all the time or what you're constantly seeing is Ooh, what you believe consuming. is true. <laughs> it's, like, what you believe is to be true. So if you grew up in a home environment where the family was broken, everybody around around you that was supposed to be a family was just not a family and there was always drama fighting abuse neglect and you know you were surrounded by financial struggles and financial instability and you continuously saw that in your environment your mind starts to truly believe that that's all that's out there and that's all that's possible and it's almost so hard for your mind to fathom that the opposite exists Mm -hmm. yeah that's exactly like the best there's a saying that says like the best predictor for yourself of like you say to yourself like what's the evidence that I couldn't do this like what previous evidence do I have that like I wouldn't be able to fulfill this role and be good at it and the truth is nothing no I have no previous evidence that shows that I wouldn't be good at this or successful at it but somehow the deep-rooted wounds like you're talking about are so strongly like encoded in almost like my DNA personality that they're overriding everything else. Yeah, it's like you saw everybody else around you not be able to do it the way that you vision it. Mm -hmm. 
that you now project that onto yourself and believe that you won't be able to do it just because nobody else did. The other fear that I have is being too much of a perfectionist and being too controlling to the point where I like emotionally exhaust myself and my kids hate me. Mm. Like going way too far in the opposite direction, you know what I mean? Like trying to hit every single expectation to the point where like I'm all I'm like creating like this false picture of like perfectness. Yeah. That like doesn't even actually exist in my family and making my kids feel like they have these like unrealistic expectations they have to meet instead of loving them for where they're at. And so I feel like before I'm ready to have a family, I gotta work through all this stuff. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, right. Because that's always a fear, especially if we're sitting here and like talking and unpacking family trauma and like wounds connected to family, and then all of a sudden we repeat that, and now we start feeling like shitty and shameful. Like I can't believe I said that about my mom, and now here I am, and I did exactly what she did, and it's like, ouch, the wound to the heart. But then it's like that ego thing, right? It's like the ego wants to be perfect. Yeah. But the reality is no one's perfect. So it took me a really long time to, well, here's the thing too. Everybody's level of trauma in their family is going to be different. Like Mm -hmm. mine's not the same as yours. Mm -hmm. But it took me a while to be like, okay, like maybe I need to take accountability for how I'm holding myself back by holding on to so much resentment towards the way that I was brought up and raised. Mm. Because sometimes that can also hold us back if we are holding too tightly to resentment and not allowing ourselves to just move forward and be like you know what that chapter of my life happened but I actually learned a lot from it and I actually got to where I am now because of it and you have so much power in the choices you can make yeah yeah you are are the captain of your own ship yeah instead of being that little little girl who is in victim mentality Mm -hmm. and just keeping myself stuck and keeping myself resentful and not wanting to make amends with my family or whatever it it may be it's like if i want to have a healthy family the first step is to find acceptance in the past that i had with my own family Mm -hmm. and that's hard but it definitely helps i think and me and courtney are completely opposite because i ever since i was a kid i always envisioned myself as a mom don't know why like some of these things just happen I don't don't know I'm gonna be a mommy and I was like I'm gonna be a doctor (laughs) I'm like oh I don't want to be a doctor (laughs) no one knowing what I know now I wouldn't want to be a doctor either but yeah so let's move on to this other wound right that I feel like we both can probably relate to in different ways but the fear of losing it all and the fear of not being financially stable so I mean if you've heard like previous episodes then you kind of know a little bit of my background but I essentially had what everybody would consider the picture perfect family like people really thought that we were so picture perfect i totally thought you guys had like the perfect life and i was like yeah bro i'm jealous basically what happened (laughs) (laughs) was when i was a kid everything was great up until i can remember probably like maybe i was six or seven and then my dad got hurt at work and from there everything just kind of crumbled so he lost his job he got addicted to like painkillers at one point and my family just started crumbling like before my eyes essentially and we were basically we didn't have the money but what was happening was debt essentially a lot a lot of debt was being acquired back then because of my dad always wanting to live up what he calls it what does he call it nowadays he calls it um yeah i was trying to keep up with the jonases or whatever is that what they say the jones keeping up with the joneses the joneses the jones the joneses basically like this mentality and a lot of people probably 
know this really well. It's like you have to keep up with like your rich to do la di da like neighbor. Yeah, so that's essentially what he was trying to do because he came from a family where like his brothers had nice things, his brother had a bow, and his other brother like you know lived up in Vermont in a beautiful big house, and it was just like all of these things that he was trying to keep living up to. So we would go to Disney, for example, but like we weren't going to Disney because we had the money. You know, we were doing it because we had fake money. (laughs) And so basically my dad, I watched my dad lose it all with his career and go into depression. And then I watched my mom work really, really hard, multiple jobs to try to keep the family afloat. And then I watched them divorce and we lost my childhood home. Basically though, I just watched everything that I had no longer... I no longer had, you know? So I lost, like, I felt like I lost it all from family. Like, even... It's a huge loss of stability. Oh, I wonder why you worked so hard as an adult to create a stable home and a stable income. Yeah. Because, and, like, I feel like you put a lot of that pressure to, like, make sure you do that. Like, oh, yeah. You I'm so a very independent person. That. Yeah. And a lot of this also Drama. comes from, like, watching my mom be that, right? Mm-hmm. Because when my it's parents just... divorced, it's not like my dad was, like, helping. No. It was my mom working tons of jobs to just make it by your mom used to work like three jobs i remember coming over and she'd be like yeah so i worked a full day drove to boston did some training to you know get another job to make more money yeah and then i drove all the way back home and i'm like and it's like 10 o'clock at night and she's doing the dishes and i'm like are you insane and yeah. she's like and i went to the gym today i'm like you have lost your mind woman yeah she she's like a workaholic and and that's kind of what i was shown growing up so i've kind of always had that in me i and because of my loss like i'm my loss and because of my parents divorce and whatnot i always told myself like i'm not gonna allow another person to control my finances and my financial stability and i feel like in society that was a huge thing like i have people my own family members and whatnot who have different views on that where like you should combine finances when you're married and you know it's your guys's money it's like our money which I get, but at the same time, it works for me and my husband to not do that. And I'm okay with that. And he's okay with that. And we both, we're a 50-50 household. Yeah. How do you think that that would change once you have kids? Mm, once we have kids. I think it will change maybe a little bit. Because like, you're not going to be like, okay, you pay 50. Oh, you no. Pay, you well, okay, here, let me. diapers. <laughs> Let me clarify. Yeah, when I say 50-50, I don't mean like we we literally go down like, all right, we're going out to eat. We're going to split it 50-50. Like that's not what we do. Like he'll pay for dinner most of the time pretty much. But what I mean by like bills, bills. like major bills, like the mortgage bill, the utilities, like we split that. But like we don't go out and, you know, we're like, all right, well, you got to do Yeah, no, no. You're like, you're going to have to Venmo me 50% of that taco you just (laughs) No, no, yeah. It's so funny. That would be hilarious. Trevor would do that, which is why. If anything, we'd just be like, "Um, who has the time to go get diapers right now? Got it? Cool, go. Probably the husband. I have to stay here. I look terrible go get the diapers but yeah so that's kind of how we like handle that and it's just I, and again it stems from my own wounds of watching my parents fight over money constantly like my dad would leave the house slamming doors after fighting about money and yeah. just like not having the job security which Mine's was a little thing. different too like I feel like mine was more of the mine was more of the idea that you know you would like 
Okay, you wanted to do sports at school. No, you can't do it. We don't have the money. You want new school clothes. No, we can't do it. We don't have money. My grandparents were putting our school clothes like on their credit card uh, because my mom didn't have the money to buy our school clothes, but she had money to buy cigarettes and Dunkin' Donuts every single day. Yeah, it was like she wasn't prioritizing her um, kids' needs. Yeah, like I remember the cable getting shut off many times. The phone getting disconnected many times. The only reason our electricity never got shut off was because my brother was handicapped and my mom used to fill out special paperwork saying that he lived there, which of course he did, so they wouldn't legally be able to shut it off. But I remember literally a lawyer coming to the house and serving, asking for my, for my mom so he could serve her papers for the electric company in Massachusetts to sue my mom for the right to the land that our house was on because she owed $20,000 to the electric company because she just didn't pay the bill. Mm. And meanwhile, she's like clothing and housing, you know, a whole other family yeah. that belongs That's in what her, I always remember. It was always family. like tons of people at your Yeah, house. and it's just like, and then all these other people. And then, so that was really frustrating. And then it's like, you know, then when she got sick for the last few years and we finally went to go sort out, you know, her advanced directives and what she wanted. She had terminal cancer. You know, we finally had to have a really honest conversation about where all those things were. And it turned out that she like still hadn't been paying the electric bill since I left in high school. And mind you, I'm 30 years old at this point. And they had a lien on the land for $100,000. That's absolutely bananas. That's probably more that, I mean, the land's probably worth a lot in the way that the market was, but that's basically any profit you were gonna get out of that house. Mm -hmm. And if you sold the house, any money made automatically went to that bill that you owed. And it became a whole problem, which is why, you know, when she asked us kids who wants to be on the house, I didn't want anything to do with it because it was a legal bowl of soup. Yeah. Hot, scorching soup. And I didn't want to have to deal with it and sift it out. Yeah. And then the concept of like, you know, if I wanted nice clothes. Granted, this in the long run, I think, taught me to appreciate the things that I have. But it was just like, we never had anything new. We had old broken furniture from her coworkers. Um, they were always smoking in the house. My clothes were dirty and smelly. And when I say dirty, I don't mean like physically dirty. You know what I mean? Like we had a washer and dryer, but it was like they smelled dirty because my mom smoked in the house, which I always thought was just disgusting. And I had like teachers in school asking me in middle school and high school if I was smoking cigarettes and yeah, like stereotyping me. And I was like, no, my mom does. And then like, you know, like now I could go buy a washing machine. I would probably buy it on credit just because I feel like that that's, you know, you get no interest and it's just easier to do it that way. But I could go buy a brand new washing machine if I needed one. Whereas like when we were growing up, my mom had to like go to like errands. I don't know if you know what that is. Like errands or rent-a-center. Rent-a-center, yeah. So we didn't have money to like ever buy a new fridge my dad or buy a washing rent -a -center machine. My dad a lot. So we had to go to like even furniture. We'd have to go to rent-a-center and it would be... $50 every week, which let me tell you is such a ripoff. And then, you know, my mom would fall behind on the payments and it would be obnoxious and they'd be at the house like knocking when she's not home to me and my sister like, yeah, we're here to like take our washing machine while we're like trying to do our laundry. Yeah. So it was like this concept of like every time it felt like we had some normalcy and consistency and stability, it would get something chaotic would happen and she wasn't either managing her 
finances or we weren't making enough money or whatever. I don't actually know the in and outs of what happened because it's the other problem with my mom is she was very deceptive and manipulative, especially when it came to finances and money, which is probably why my natal chart has so, so many places in my second house of finance mm -hmm. and why I'm so open about it. Yeah, you're meant to learn a lot about values, money, financial stability, creating financial stability for yourself, but there's so many hard aspects to your second house placements that it's not without a cost to your mental health. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like that's already happened throughout my life. Yeah. Um, but that's why I have a fear of losing it all. Every time we would get it together, it it was like someone was at the door trying mm -hmm. to take, mm -hmm. like physically shutting something off or taking it away. Yeah. So that was tough. And we've even, when we've talked about too, like what that can do to someone being in an environment like that for most of your life and then finally moving away from that, you're kind of on this survival mode and your brain is hardwired to follow material abundance rather than emotional fulfillment. And sometimes we can end up chasing after things that don't actually fill us up emotionally, but instead bring us a false sense of security yeah i would say like the whole aspect what i would say like a specific example of that for me is the concept of like i love school so i really enjoy going to college i would go to college all the time as a career like if anybody can make a career of going to college let me know because <laughs> i'll do that i'll get paid instead of continuing to pay them but i really enjoyed going to college because i really enjoy learning and being in like that class environment but i just assumed that if i went to college i would get a really good paying job like i would go to college once i fell for that <laughs> fell for that lie and was like and i just thought like okay i'm gonna make like six figures right out the gate it's gonna be awesome and none of that happened and that was a huge i would say that, that was a huge wound of like the idea of loss too and reality check but my main which point, is crazy because my main point being that like i did it because i thought that that was what was expected of me and what i should be doing and not necessarily what lit me up. Mm -hmm. Granted, I think at the time I really didn't know. Yeah, I mean, at that age, my emotions age, had still... been so suppressed for so long. Oh, for sure. I, I wasn't allowed to have feelings as a kid. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and you do have Chiron in your ninth house in whole sign. Ninth house rules over higher education, AKA college. So wounds connected to higher education. Yeah. Why are you telling me this now? Because yeah. you were on the topic. Why are you telling me this now? <laughs> like, why didn't you tell me before I went to college, man? Yeah, what the hell, man? <laughs> no, yeah, but... I always say, like, if I could have redone it, I would have gone to community college for nursing right out the gate. Would have got, like, an ADN. Would have had a hospital pay me to get a BSN. And then I would have went right into grad school and became a CRNA. And then I would have just taken that money and put it into like all these different passions and passive income streams that I am more passionate about, including like what you were talking about, like the idea of real estate, helping other people financially plan and even like environmental sustainability consulting because mm -hmm. that that lights me up more. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, when you talk about it, I can just see the passion in your eyes. She's very passionate. Even, like, there's so many little things that I feel like you get really lit up about that I could see you doing long-term that would bring you emotional fulfillment. Like, even nutrition. And, like, making sure you're eating healthy, uh, non-processed foods that don't have chemicals in them and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, you have so much fun talking <laughs> about that. But then, apparently, I think spindrifts are good for me. And I, mean, I read the ingredients and then... I, I think 
everything to... nowadays is just not good for us, yeah. if you think about it. I mean, if they come out with organic spindrift, that would be ideal. That's but, true. you know, you can't live in a complete bubble. No, you can't. Time. You can't. It's fine. I think part of the reason, too, that I don't... I haven't been able to allow myself to light myself up with what I'm doing for a living is because I started working at like the age of 11. Yeah. So and then I was work. just like nannying and babysitting and it was for like friends of the family or family. I mean, I did that too at that age. I but was yeah. babysitting all the time. Yeah. But it was like probably out of like necessity. So it makes sense that we're like emotionally exhausted yeah and tapped out now yeah and i also do feel like the older siblings i know you're not the oldest but you're definitely older than your other siblings yeah yeah. like you know what i mean we tend to get pushed into responsibility a lot sooner than like the younger siblings Mm And you and your sister very much were like that. And I was like that with my brother, like, especially with my mom being a single mom and working and like, I had to be the one to like be a babysitter and whatnot. But, but yeah, it's just, it's very interesting. And for me, when it also comes back to like the fear of losing it all, I think I have a lot of fears about being like homeless. And I think that stems from the moving. Yeah, from moving all the time. And also there was one time where we literally, we were homeless at one point where we were living with my aunt and my uncle because we didn't have like a place. Oh, was that when What's-His-Face like kicked y'all out like abruptly? Yeah. And then we couldn't afford anything at that time to like live on our own. So we were living at my aunt and uncle's house, which was really nice of them. But my mom and my brother were sharing a room and it was like, that you've been to my own uncle's house it's not like a big house have i been there it's very small it's a small ranch i probably have but i don't remember yeah it's, it's a very small ranch they've lived there like all of my life it's a cozy home and i mean it was really nice of them to do that but it was hard like living that way because yeah, like, you feel so displaced mm-hmm. and the number one thing i think kids need is stability yeah and i changed i think it was like 12 to 13 times or something like that. Yeah, we counted once. It was a lot. Yeah. And you changed schools. Yeah. And you changed from homeschooling to regular schooling. It was a disaster. <laughs> it was such it a was disaster. A so now, like, when my, my life feels stable and it feels, like, not interrupted, I'm kind of bored. I'm kind of bored. That's why we watch reality TV. <laughs> Literally. I'm like, I need something to happen in order to make me, like, and that's so not healthy. And that's definitely something I need to, like, like find peace in this stability but my body's like this is not normal <laughs> so it's it's very interesting but and then i think too for a really long time another fear of mine was like the fear of loss and abandonment because even like when i was going through my parents divorcing and whatnot i also lost people who felt like second parents to me and a best friend at all at the same time yeah that was pretty significant that's a big milestone in your life yeah it was it's one that like is deeply imprinted on me you would think that I would have more fear of loss, like a like a physical person loss. Yeah. But I don't. I think I think maybe with like the first few people I knew that had passed away, I think I did as a kid. But the more people I lost and the closer and closer and closer they were to me, it became more of this almost like surrendering to the concept that life is literally a circle. Mm-hmm. And understanding that Instead of having the fear, my effort was better put into being appreciative and spending as much time as possible with people that I love and care about trying to have good memories because when I or they are on their deathbed and we're dying and our eyes are closed and 
we can't move and all we can do is really lay there and kind of think it's like I want to be having those thoughts yeah you know I don't want to be thinking of what did I miss out on what did I want to do which I mean I guess (laughs) if I apply that to all my other fears then why am I not doing other things yeah that's funny yeah that's funny look you just had a nice self-reflection moment yeah yeah boom look at that bam that's what we have to do we have to think (laughs) we have to think if we're on our deathbed what is it that we're gonna wish we did it's time to start freaking doing it yeah but yeah i think loss when you're a child going through loss at a young age really impacts you because i don't think you're at an age where you're aware of truly what it all means and when it's all happening it just feels heavy and for me it was like all right well she just lost both of her parents we're only 10 my parent that means my parents can die like at any moment yeah and you're like and who would i live with and where would we live and i'm like where would i go who would take me and like and my mom was like a such a comfort for me like as a kid like she was like my safe space as a kid when like my my dad was dealing with his anger yeah i mean and i definitely had some moments with my mom but in hindsight like she was just doing what she thought was best for us and i you know like i've come to terms with that and realizing that like it could have been way worse and she's really Mm -hmm. not a bad mom at all by any means she's an amazing mom coming in your room being like lauren elizabeth i folded and washed her laundry you couldn't even put it in (laughs) away yeah she she is a great mom and um and i was pretty hard on her as a teenager but i think a lot of it had to do with just it was hard for me you're seeing her date yeah and like her trying to like put us in with mixed families with like men who were very controlling and so controlling timed shower controlling yeah who the fuck times your shower yeah i think that was just hard for me and then also dealing with like the wounds that i had with my dad it was like i need space and i need to get out and you all just suck right now and i'm mad at everybody and i'm mad at the world yeah i need my freedom and independence which explains why we're always in the car and always at work Mm -hmm. (laughs) and never around yeah so i mean those are just some of our fears that we've been kind of unpacking reflecting on learning how to be more at peace i think with the flow of life without being so stuck in survival mode Mm, and trying to control everything that's a big thing that i've been learning because i realized it's basically a trauma response we're having so much chaos and dysfunction and random people in and out of the house and random things happening and not having control over what i ate or like there's so many things I could list um so I just I I, the way that I coped with that in college was I was just like slowly 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 just like putting more and more and more like look at you cleaning the table right now (laughs) because there's shit everywhere it's cat litter I don't want it and that's and that's one thing with Courtney too it's like I see this in her cat litter everywhere perfectionism when it comes to like her home and her space and making sure everything's clean speaking of which that Trevor and I have discussed that that is a coping mechanism a hundred percent because having a four having like a what was it one two three essentially it was a three bedroom one bathroom house which was probably what your house was which is why it was perfect for your two child one adult parent relationship yeah, but when you try to smush and 15 people in there we literally had 
me, my mom, her boyfriend, because I won't dignify him as anything more than that. My sister, our half-brother, my grandmother, my cousin, his wife, their three kids. And then at one point, my other cousin also lived there. I don't even know how I just remember I'd be at your house and all of a sudden somebody new comes up from the basement. Yeah, and I'm and like, like, hi, who are you? And all their friends would come over and come in and out at all kinds of hours. And one of my cousins was like nope. dealing drugs at one point from either the house. Or you know what? And this goes back to that. The other so, fear we were talking about, what? um, your possessiveness and over my things, yes, oh, and your absolutely. need to. Well, I also share, and with even my over people too, though. Like there's oh. a sense of like I feel like possessiveness because of things that happen in childhood. Maybe I, I would have to kind of because you always on. had people kind of invading your space. Oh yeah, well I shared a room with my sister for 15 years, and she helped herself to whatever the fuck she wanted that was mine that I earned money to buy and defaced things, literally purposely ruined things that I had worked, earned money, and bought. Like I would earn money babysitting and buy teen magazines with posters in them of like my favorite people. Like one of my favorite people was Jesse McCartney, and I would put up posters near my bed of Jesse McCartney and I would come home from working or sleeping over a friend's house and she would draw funny mustaches on all of my posters. Yeah, it's just That's like, not fucking funny. That's it's disrespectful. A, yeah, it's like you a sign I mean? of disrespect. And so, and you were talking about like, like if I were to say like, you know, break something, it could possibly trigger that in you. Yeah, it's actually got, it's actually taken me a long time to get to a place and I still even struggle with it when people break something on accident. Yeah. Because I think about how much I had to work for it or like I tie too much. You have attachment to material things. Yeah, but it's probably because of that trauma of people. Yeah. And then so to get back to why my house is so clean is like I finally have a space where I have full autonomy over the furniture that I have, who's coming in and out of my house, what stuff goes where. I don't have someone defacing all of my shit and breaking it purposefully. Cause my sister like went into my room and like purposely like broke. Well, actually I don't know if it was my sister or one of my cousins. Might've been one of my cousins. I don't want to put my sister on blast and say it was her cause I don't remember now accurately. Someone went into my room one time and broke all of my cheerleading trophies. And so it's like, and they were like displayed in my room. And it's just like, are you kidding? These are like my memories. And I don't even think I have them anymore. I think I ended up throwing them away, which is sad. But anyway, so now Trevor and I were talking about how like I color code or organize my refrigerator and my cabinets and my pantry. And like his brother thinks I'm insane because when he would come stay with us for long periods of time I would get frustrated and be like you're not like you're going around and making small messes and you're not cleaning up after yourself I find that highly disrespectful but one I think maybe our etiquette on a house guest is a little bit different when you're staying long term versus like when you just come to you know quickly visit like you I don't expect you to like do specific chores right because you're here for a short period of time but if you were like hey I want to move to Austin can I stay with you for a year I would expect you to like you know pick up your slack that's different but anyway so make a long story short I have autonomy over all of these things so I make them exactly how I want them in an idealistic way and so I don't like when people mess with it and that's a problem and he's even a little bit of an enabler because he told me that he basically yeah he basically like explained that scenario to his family and was like that's why she is the way that she is which is a little bit of an enabler i should probably go to therapy 
and like have them move some shit around and then just have me have to leave it there. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and that's, that's why I love reflecting and why I think it's so important as much as people want to ignore the problems from the past. Sometimes I feel like you can actually grow so much when you actually unpack the past. Well, because unpacking the past helps you understand who you are and why you are the way you think is the current you. Yeah. And sometimes the current you is struggling emotionally, physically, mentally because of things that you haven't even thought about from, I would say, like a past life, but not literally mm-hmm. a past life. And it's like hard because I think a lot of people are like, well, you're living in the past. And I always say to my husband, you can't live fully in the future if you don't address all of the issues that you have in the past. Yeah. Because they because come you're, back and haunt you. Yeah, your past is has so much control over your present, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And the hardest part in the whole healing journey is once you realize why you are the way you are because of your past, that's when you have to say, okay, but I need to start taking accountability mm-hmm. and I need to start making changes because the behaviors that Seek I have, help. yeah, behaviors that I have, they're not healthy and they're not helping me. They're, they're not serving me. They're not. They're just making me more emotionally in turmoil. It's, it's like our inner child is still holding on to defense mechanisms that kept us safe as children, but we're no longer in that space and we're no longer needing to be in, you know, survival mode from that time of our lives. We've moved on. So why are we still holding on to all these defense mechanisms? Because we're trying to protect ourselves, but we don't need to do that anymore. It's almost like you formulated these unhealthy coping mechanisms that we've convinced ourselves are happy because you're like oh well like who doesn't like a well-organized house this is a help healthy coping mechanism but when you have someone come over and move your shit like a quarter inch and you're like i fucking noticed that why the hell did you do that yeah then it becomes um, unhealthy then it or becomes unhealthy yeah. or you could even say all right am i actually enjoying things that i like to do or am i so like perfectionistic that instead i'm using my free time to clean all the time because mm. i know people who do that too it's like they don't even enjoy their hobbies because all they think about is oh my god i need to do all my chores yeah trevor's uh i love my husband and i'm not putting him on blast because he's awesome but he's even been of the mentality of like we're doing something together like going for a walk outside and all he can think about is something that he's got to do that's a responsibility yeah and it's like if you have even something like that where like it's not you're you're Mm -hmm. really like robbing yourself of the joy of the, the being in the moment and that's hard i think we'll all kind of have those moments of course because we're kind of always... We're conditioned like, to be, re- like, on r- survival mode. That's the problem. So we're conditioned to be responsible. And it's important to be responsible, right? But it's also, like you said, important to have joy in your life. And I'm sorry, but responsibilities are not joyful. <laughs> you can make them joyful, I guess. But yeah. most of the time, they're not joyful. They're mundane and boring. And I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> As she flips her hair. They're boring. Them. But yeah, it's just, it's crazy when you really unpack things and you realize like why you might be, you know, behaving or thinking, even thinking the way that you are and why you believe certain things to be true. And then it's also important to realize that other people in your life are not going to see life the same as you because of their mm-hmm. own life experiences. So having expectations. Even siblings. Who yeah. Grew up in the same house. The same house. The same parents. Yep. Well, it have still different beliefs, different perspectives, different, even different perspectives on your parents or on your family. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day too, that's why it's so hard to hold people to expectations Mm -hmm. because sometimes I feel like it's not really fair to do that. Mm -hmm. 
because everybody's going to have different expectations and so what you can do is address and let people know like what your needs are and you know but sometimes we can do this thing where we just automatically assume people are supposed to act a certain way and are expected to be a type of, like a certain way when in reality like that's just setting people up to fail and let us down so but we could talk forever we're gonna wrap this up but this was a great convo and i'm glad we got to come in and talk to you guys like in person together hopefully the volume is okay with this one mic i kept looking and it it looks like it should be okay, so. But yeah, thanks guys, and until next time.